Hello and welcome to Bill Stern's Sports Newsreel from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. C-O-L-G-A-T-E, Colgate presents Bill Stern. With the Colgate Shave Cream Sports Newsreel. Bill Stern, the Colgate Shave Cream Man, is on the air. Bill Stern, the Colgate Shave Cream Man, with stories rare. Take his advice and you look keen, you'll get a shave that's smooth and clean. You'll be a Colgate brushless fan. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bill Stern bringing you the 352nd edition of the Colgate Shave Cream Sports Newsreel. Featuring strange and fantastic stories, some legends, others mere hearsay. But also interesting, we'd like to pass them along to you. Our guest tonight is the famous singing star of radio, Miss Joan Edwards. But first, real one. Stan Hack of the Chicago Cubs has been a member of the All-Star team four different years. And Stan Hack is on the champion shaving team, too. Here's what he wrote me about Colgate Brushless, the shave cream of champions. Dear Bell, I've got a tender skin and my face used to fight back after a shave. Not anymore, though. Colgate Brushless sure is a comfort to a skin like mine. And I like the way Colgate Brushless stays on the job, keeps active so my razor can breeze through to the finish without snagging. Signed, Stan Hack. Now, the title of that story should be, Stan Hack Sees the Light. What I mean is, Colgate Brushless Shave Cream is light. Light and fluffy, not greasy or heavy. It's light and it's right, and it's made especially for you fellas with tough whiskers and tender skin. Being light and fluffy, Colgate Brushless is easy to spread. Since it isn't heavy or greasy, it lets your whiskers stand up so your razor can slice through, not glide over them. And Colgate Brushless Shave Cream keeps moist for a fast, clean, close shave with nary a snag or pull. No after irritation either. Look, men, try Colgate Brushless Shave Cream tomorrow. If it doesn't fill the bill, just send the top of the carton back to me. Bill Stern, Kara Colgate, Jersey City, Zone 2, New Jersey. And I'll see that you get double your money back. Ask for the nine-ounce jumbo jar of Colgate Brushless, the shave cream of champions tonight. It's light and it's right. Real two. Portrait of August the 2nd. Tonight is August the 2nd, and because it is, I'd like to tell you one of the greatest prize fight stories of all time, a story that reputedly begins and ends on another August the 2nd, a story of the great John L. Sullivan, a story that should bring back a lot of memories. John L. Sullivan came out of Boston where by the sheer power of his own fists he wrote boxing history as he battled his way up to the heavyweight championship of America. After John L. Sullivan had won the heavyweight championship, he became the most famous man in America. In fact, at the height of his popularity, John L. Sullivan was so much in demand that he appeared on the stage in vaudeville. One day, during his vaudeville engagement, he stopped on the street to buy a newspaper from a ragged little newsboy. And according to the story, the newsboy immediately recognized the famous John L. Sullivan. For it was the newsboy who said... Gee, mister, you're the great champion, John L. Sullivan, ain't you? That I am, my lad. Listen, Mr. Sullivan, I saw your act in vaudeville the other day... Would you do me a big favor? Well, Sonny, that depends upon what it is. Look, Mr. Sullivan, I know I'm only a newsboy, but I can sing. Honest, I can. Only nobody will give me a chance. Now, if you'd go to the manager of the theater where you're playing now, maybe if you asked him to, he'd listen to me sing and give me a job. John L. Sullivan liked that little newsboy, and he did take the youngster back to the theater with him. And the little newsboy really could sing. In fact, that little newsboy sang so well that John L. Sullivan hired that newsboy himself to sing in his act. And so it was that the great John L. Sullivan was responsible for a young newsboy going on the vaudeville stage. And that little newsboy stayed on the stage. 
stayed on the stage to become a great star in his own right. For that little newsboy was Gus Edwards. <laughs> Gus Edwards did become a really great star. The greatest star in vaudeville 30 years ago. But nobody can forget how John L. Sullivan had given him his chance. And Gus Edwards promised to repay that debt by giving other youngsters the same chance. It was Gus Edwards who found just such a youngster and gave him a chance. That youngster was named George Jessel. And it was Gus Edwards who found another unknown youngster named Eddie Cantor. And it was Gus Edwards who found still another unknown youngster named Walter Winchell. But Gus Edwards was only beginning, for it was he who found Ray Bolger, Hildegard, and Joan Edwards. In fact, of all the stars Gus Edwards discovered, I think he was proudest of Joan Edwards. You know her as the famous radio singing star, but Gus Edwards knew her as his own flesh and blood, for she was his niece. And she's in the studio right here with us now. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the famous singing star of radio, Miss Joan Edwards. Thank you, Bill. And thanks for the splendid tribute to my Uncle Gus. Well, It's I... true that he discovered Eddie Cantor and Walter Winchell and all the other stars you named. And he discovered you, too, Joan. Now, let's talk about you tonight. Do you like sports? Oh, I do indeed, Bill. My favorite sports are ice skating, bicycling, and swimming. Seems to me I've seen pictures of you, Joan, in a bathing suit. Uh -oh. Were you not chosen a pin-up girl for New York University? <laughs> Something like that. But let's get back to your story of my uncle, Gus Edwards. What do you mean, Joan? Is there more to the story? Oh, sure there is, Bill. And maybe I ought to finish the story. How do you mean, finish it? I mean, there's one thing you forgot. You told how Gus Edwards discovered the greatest stars on Broadway. And how he never would have discovered these stars if he himself had not been given his own start by the heavyweight boxing champion John L. Sullivan. But, Bill, you didn't tell how Gus Edwards repaid the debt he owed to boxing. And how did he? By making a vow that since a prize fighter had given him his chance, he'd someday give another youngster a chance to become a prize fighter. And one day he did meet a youngster who wanted to become a great fighter. And Gus Edwards did give this youngster his start. And who was this youngster? That youngster was destined to become the heavyweight champion of the world. His name, Jack Dempsey. Thank you very much, Joan Edwards. And thanks so much for finishing the story of your uncle, Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards, who discovered the greatest stars on Broadway. George Jessel, Walter Winchell, Eddie Cantor, and a great prize fighter named Jack Dempsey. The amazing part of this story is that Gus Edwards, who did get his start from the great prize fighter John L. Sullivan, was given that start on August the 2nd of 1893. And yet, strangely enough, it was on that very date, another August the 2nd, exactly 20 years later to the very day, that Gus Edwards found Jack Dempsey. But speaking of August the 2nd and Jack Dempsey... And since tonight is August the 2nd, I think it's only fair that we go on and tell you how, according to the story, this particular date, August the 2nd, has affected the career of Jack Dempsey. For not only was he discovered on that date, but one of the strangest stories of his life happened on still another August the 2nd out in Shelby, Montana. Shelby, Montana, back in the 1920s, was a prosperous oil town. However, the citizens of Shelby wanted to see the name of their town on the front page of every newspaper in America. And so... These good citizens of Shelby decided that the quickest way of getting their name on the paper was to stage a heavyweight championship fight in Shelby, Montana. 
Jack Dempsey was the heavyweight champion then, and through his manager, Jack Kearns, he demanded $250,000 to meet the leading challenger, Tommy Gibbons, in Shelby. The town of Shelby readily agreed to put up the $250,000, giving little thought to where they'd get all that money. And so, Jack Dempsey agreed to defend his heavyweight championship in Shelby. That was back in 1923, and everything was going along fine until... until the night before the fight, when the citizens of Shelby, Montana, suddenly realized that they could not raise the $250,000 that was due Jack Dempsey. A town meeting was called. Each man went back to his office, his store, his home, or wherever it was he kept his money and brought back to the town meeting all the money that he had in the world. Altogether, this money totaled $243,000. Yet it was $7,000 short of the quarter million that was due Dempsey. Yet it was all the money that there was in Shelby, Montana. That night, a committee of townspeople met Jack Dempsey and his manager, Jack Kearns, in their hotel room. It was the representative of the townspeople who spoke first. All right, Mr. Kearns, you're Jack Dempsey's manager. I know that according to our agreement, we owe you $250,000 payable tonight. Well, I have almost all of it here. That is, I have all but $7,000. Our agreement calls for $250,000. I won't take a cent less. Either you get the rest or there'll be no fight. Listen to me, Kearns. This money I have here represents every last dime every man, woman, and child has in Shelby, Montana. If that fight doesn't go on tomorrow, we're all ruined. Our one chance to get our money back is by the sale of tickets tomorrow. What's more, there's going to be trouble if you call this fight off. Don't threaten me. Get up the whole amount on no fight. I'm warning you, Kearns, there's got to be a fight tomorrow, or there's going to be a battle tonight, and I'm starting it! <laughs> The only man shot that night was the sheriff. But the fight was now definitely off. The following morning back in New York City, newspapers were out on the street with screaming headlines, Dempsey Gibbons fight off in Shelby, Montana. And the following morning back in Shelby, Montana, Jack Kearns, Dempsey's manager, was packing his suitcase to return to New York when the famous writer Hayward Brune rushed into his room. Kearns? The fight is going to be held this afternoon, even if you don't get all your dough. Oh, yeah? Who says so? Now, listen, Jack Kearns. I just got a telegram that's going to make you change your mind. Let me read it to you. Here's what it says. Dear Haywood Broom, I'm an ardent fight fan, and I would certainly like to see the boxing match between Dempsey and Gibbons staged this afternoon. I'm now making a trip through the West, and I have high hopes of being at the ringside. Best regards, Warren G. Harding, President of the United States. Well, what do you say, Jack? The fight's on. Let's go, everybody. The fight's on. And the fight was on. It was held. But Warren G. Harding wasn't at the ringside. Instead, on the day of the fight, reputedly he wrote a strange prophecy. A prophecy that read, Within 30 days, one of the greatest catastrophes this world has ever seen will take place. But I will not be here to see it. And he was right. For within 30 days, the world's worst earthquake hit Japan and killed 99,000 people. But Warren G. Harding, as he had prophesied, was not here to see it. For he was dead. And that's the strange legend of a president of the United States who, according to the story, foresaw and prophesied two tragic events. The world's worst earthquake and his own death, which took place on August the 2nd, exactly 23 years ago tonight, just as he said it would. 
the second. Real three, Charles F. McCarthy. Men, have you seen the light yet? Meaning Colgate Brushless, the shave cream that's light and fluffy, not heavy or greasy. It's made specially for you fellows with tough whiskers and tender skin. Being light and fluffy, Colgate Brushless is easy to spread, quick to work in. Unlike a heavy, greasy cream, it leaves your whiskers standing up for your razor to cut through, close and clean without a snag or pull. Then, too, being light and fluffy, not greasy or heavy, Colgate Brushless rinses off fast at the finish. Colgate Brushless, the shave cream of champions. It's light and it's right. And now back to Bill Stern. That's the 3 mark for tonight. Next Friday night, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back same time, same stations, with another edition of the Colgate Shave Cream Sports Newsreel. Our guest next Friday evening will be one of the greatest stars in the theatrical world, the famous singing star, Miss Dinah Shore. So be sure and be with us next Friday night, same time, same stations, when we greet you with our special guest, the singing star of stage, screen, and radio, Dinah Shore. See you then. And until then, I'll be seeing you on the screen in the News of the Day newsreel at your favorite Lowe's or Associated Theaters. Until next Friday night when we greet you with Dinah Shore at this very same time, this is Bill Stern for Colgate Shave Cream wishing you all a good, good night. Bill Stern, the Colgate Shave Cream Man, is on his way. Bill Stern, the Colgate Shave Cream Man, has lots to say. He told you tales of sports, he rose the inside dose, he really knows. So listen in next Friday night. C-O-L-G-A-T-E. Ladies, it takes fat to make soap. Our only sauce of fat now is your kitchen. So if you want more soap, take your used kitchen fat to your butcher. He'll pay you four cents a pound. The Bill Stern Show tonight came from New York City. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.